don't know the word Scott? Welcome to America, friend. Learn music. Welcome to another episode of the Rudy Librarian Podcast. I am your host, the Rudy Librarian himself, Brian. Yay! All right. It has been a hot minute since I've gotten the opportunity to do an episode, and I'm so glad to be back today doing an episode with John from Keep Flying. John, how are you doing today? Brother, I'm doing great. I'm on the Southern State Parkway driving from blessed long island new york to uh butler new jersey which is where our drummer peter lives uh just a forewarning sometimes the service goes out here and let's hope that it don't all right (laughs) sounds good i uh i am in my my uh i guess we would call this it once was a playroom and uh now i think it's my wife's craft room it's kind of a mix of things but uh you may hear some trains or you may hear a dog those are just my house sounds. So, where, where are you? What city? Uh, I live in a, kind of a suburb of Fort Worth, Texas. Amazing. We were just there. We were just there. I know. I missed you. I was bummed. And, I, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to jump right in. Before I even get into my usual first question, I got to ask you guys, because I know that you're a New Jersey band, but you guys have great Texas merch. What's the deal with that? We are super fond of Texas, and Texas is super fond of us. We, since the band started, have been fortunate to do multiple standalone Texas tours where we literally just play the state of Texas only. Um, I think the reason that we return so often is because the shows just do well, and we feel very at home there, specifically in places like Dallas, Austin, and San Angelo, West Texas, of of all places. San Antonio, too. I got to give the shout. Houston's trying, but we've played, <laughs> we've done multiple tours there where we played 10 to 12 shows in the state of Texas. And um, we do not plan on that stopping. Uh, two spoilers we are going to come back uh, around South by uh, Southwest in March to do both Austin, Houston, and San Antonio. And then we are going to come play. Uh, Mike Zemer's festival, um, So What, in Dallas, in Memorial Day weekend. He, he just sent us the offer. So awesome. we will be there in May. Um, yeah, I'm excited. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's killer. So uh, I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, one of the things that I, I often kind of give a disclaimer when I do my podcast, uh, which is that for me, I was, uh, I was into, you know, sort of punk and ska back in the, in the 90s. Um, Specifically, my my introduction to ska was through the Christian ska scene, which was really small. Um, basically, primarily three bands: the Supertones, Five Iron Frenzy, and the Insiders. Um, and then I kind of like di- didn't, you know, kind of fell out of ska and had got back into it because of COVID. So just prior to you know lockdown is when I kind of rediscovered ska. So I'm I I am in the deep. I'm in the deep dive because there's, you know, so many great bands that have been playing for the last, you know, 20, 30 years that I was not aware of that right. I'm I'm getting to know now. So I, I have not yet seen you guys, but now that I know that you're here all the time, I cannot wait to go see you guys in concert. You know, um, I'm raised Catholic and I, too, was a very big into Five Iron and still am, as well as the Supertones. Um which who I believe 
just a couple of years ago, I think Matt Flood at Asbestos released Strike Back on vinyl, which I picked up instantly. And then I have everything Five Irons put out so far, including this newest record, which came with really cool packaging, which is cool. Um, I drove the Cornerstone. Cornerstone, is that what it was? I think so. In Bushnell, uh, Illinois? Oh, yeah. Uh, back when I was a wee lad uh, with some of my other friends that I was in local bands with back in the day. And and um, I remember we, we went hard as young lads and our friend Amanda <laughs> And yeah. I remember being scolded for, for pitting too hard at the cornerstone. We were, we were being scolded by an older gentleman for being too crazy during the five iron pit. Very vivid memory that I will always have. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, those, those are some good, those are some good times. You, you, you get in the pit, you knock someone out and then someone's like, Hey, Hey, this is a Christian pit. Settle down. Yeah. I mean, we weren't doing <laughs> crazy, but we were just excited and jumping around. I think we had backpacks on, which was probably annoying. Um, I get it. Um, but yeah, I, I've always been into ska. I've definitely gone in and out. Um, every now and then there's some new bands or some old bands put out some records. I'll be stoked. Um, and just like any, like, uh, you know, music listener, it, it, it go, comes and goes for me. But I, I mean, I still, I mean, my whole life has been that. I've played in a lot of bands and done this for a really long time. And it's nice to see some of these bands still got getting up and doing it. I know our singer is seeing Streetlight tonight at Starland, which nice. I believe they're playing right this second while we do this uh, interview. So I believe he's there seeing that because he still loves Streetlight. I used to work for Streetlight for a little while. That was fun. Um, yeah, man. Um, I don't so, want to say cool to have you back, but you know, if you're, <laughs> if you're, if you're getting pleasure from it, then that's cheers. That's cheers right oh. there. Oh man. Yeah. I'm I'm loving it. Uh, I'm I'm I I feel like uh, finding ska again, and and even kind of getting reconnected with some some of the punk bands I used to love that are still going strong. It's been a it's it's been a coming home, you know, and, and I've been enjoying it. So so was uh were those bands that you know the Supertones and those kind of bands that I was talking about were they your introduction introduction introduction? <laughs> I'm making up words uh, right now. Oh no. no, my buddy Bill gave me. Uh, a Goldfinger record. The introduction was like the punk bands that had ska songs. Right. That was like, that was the first thing, and then I remember receiving a CD of Keysby Knights, Catch Twenty Two, and Poison the Well, which is not ska, and also an AFI CD, and honestly, maybe Hybrid Theory. It was like a, a my buddy was like. Here, I burned these CDs on my computer. You can have them now. And <laughs> for some reason, the, the ska stuff stuck with me. It definitely helped that when I was in high school, on Long Island specifically, the ska scene was massive. I know it was around that time a lot of places, but like Long Island local music, every show was sold out. It was a venue here, 250 cap, and it was just always local ska shows sold out sold out sold out so you were like seeing all these bands and meeting all these people in different from different towns that all like scott it was really more local based for me to be completely transparent um yeah a lot of local bands that got me into it because they just played so regularly and then the bands like voodoo gold skulls and me 30 and wrote jeff's old band asob and um 
Catch-22, they just frequented Long Island so often that it became like, all right, I, I'm in on this. It's so accessible, I'm in. So I'm, I'm going to come back to musical taste because you've got a lot of, you got a lot of diverse interests there. But I want to hear a little bit about how you, uh, how did you get into playing Scott? I mean, you were going to the shows. How did you get into playing Scott? And, and you and I talked a little bit before we even started recording about some of your history with bands. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? I was a drummer my whole life. And in high school, I was bored of playing timpani and bells. And I still <laughs> to this day thank my old band teacher. I asked, is there anything else I could play here? I don't want to do this. And she gave me Barry Sachs. I still to this day tell her if you didn't stick me on the sax, I probably would have never cared or learned um, and wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now, which is playing sax as whenever I can, as often as I can, um, whether it's my own band or filling in or, you know, ripping a solo with some band that doesn't have horns for fun. Um, I remember I was drumming in a band uh for a little while and then a bunch of people that i used to go to shows with we wanted to start another band straight up there was like three saxes three trombones two trumpets two standalone singers all these schmucks um we rehearsed at my mother's house um the house broke literally we'd rehearse and so many were there and a lot of these guys were heavy and heavy set people they physically break in the house i mean <laughs> you're, you're talking as we're rehearsing first of all we couldn't fit in one room secondly there's just shit falling off the shelves um physical damage to my house which <laughs> which some of these people i'm still with some of them i am not that is the way of life but I think a lot of these people sometimes forget like how much my mother did for this band. It's like everything was centered around, you know, my place until we moved to our old guitar player's house. But anyway, I drummed in that band. That was fun. We got to open for other bigger local bands or regional bands. And um, eventually I joined a band from Connecticut called the Flaming Tsunamis. Uh, that was super fun, like ska core. Um, learned everything I, I ever needed to learn from touring. I was the baby in the band. Uh, I still look up to those guys. Um, they just taught me a lot about how to live uh, for free, basically. We had no money. And um, <laughs> it was a different kind of band. It was super, super chaotic. Uh, but a lot of other elements that weren't ska because they really, the, guy, the people in the band who liked ska were very specific about the bands they liked. And mostly we listened to other stuff. So we were really experimental in the heavy world with horns. And then eventually it was just me on horn. And then the band um, uh, called it a day. Uh, we had a buddy play keyboard for a little while. And there was like a lot of renditions of the band. It just kept going for a while and then it ended. But I learned a lot about music business with that band because at one point, our old singer basically told me, if you don't, if you want to keep doing this, you got to do all the work. I'm going to be done now. He, I don't remember what happened, but he was triggered to a place where he didn't want to do it anymore. So I picked up all the slack. And at the same time, I joined a, though there's still a band, a, a very different band at the time from Detroit called We Are The Union. And that was more punk stuff, more pop punk, kind of more of what I realized I wanted to be doing. Um, and then Flaming Tsunamis, I was out in 2008. And We Are The Union, I was out in 2009. 
And then I never thought that I would do this ever again because I invested so many years of my life and it just came to a halt that I started working for bands for, and I still do. I tour, I've been tour managing, doing merchandise for bands since 09. Um, but Keep Flying formed because our singer Henry's old band broke up, survey says, and he came to my house all bummed out and we were having conversation about what's next for him what's next for his, for his brother and and i was trying to motivate him to like maybe take the the ska out of some of the new songs that he had written um which is what keep flying became it became what what survey was no longer going with what survey couldn't have done and what i would have liked to have kept doing had my time with we're the union still been uh going i would have wanted to create music like this and so after a much needed break from playing my own music um i, I did some stuff at home with uh some older friends this band called next 86 had a, a blast it was just fun no stress no business nothing just play shows write music um but after a while it was like all right yeah henry convinced me we recorded the first ep and um here we are you know several eps later and several lineup changes and way too many shows later um here we are you know and my my understanding from pretty much every ska band i've ever talked to although there are a few exceptions but is that the changing lineup is kind of a thing in ska you know one i mean you've got so many members in a band doing so many different things with their life so it kind of happens pretty often yeah i think with with ska specifically uh the hardest thing is horns, finding horn players who want to do this. Yeah. Like most horn players that are pro don't want to do this. They want to go do the real gigs and get where they get paid and um, not have to do so much work, you know, to play punk. I mean, it's just that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's kind of the hardest part. Our, our history is is quite simple. Um we had a guy start the band with us who was a drummer for basically three three weeks. And as soon as he realized we were going to play shows, he did the first EP and the first music video. As soon as he realized we were going to play shows, he was like, I-, I can't actually commit to something like that. We got Peter, who's still still been in the band since. So basically, our drummer's Peter, or Peter, our drummer, has been the guy almost the entire time. He's basically an original member. Um, right we lost our bass player to life. He just wanted to start life. And he's still an active non-member of the band. He contributes in our group chat and with merch and a ton. He fills in sometimes for us. Um, and then Henry's brother, who co-founded the band with us, um, it was just time. He didn't want to do it anymore. And he, too, has moved on. He's, he's living. He's moved. He's, he's got a new partner. He's a, he's a dad. Um, and he, you know, life, same thing, life, you know? Um, and then during COVID we lost our guitar player who also straight up told me, I just don't want to do the punk thing anymore. I, I really, I want to like work and I got a girlfriend and, and it's hard because we're, we're out here trying really hard and he was the baby of the band. So I understand it, but we've, we've replenished the band with, with people who want to do this. You know, our new bass player, Chuck is fell into our lap from philly and he's all in he's in his 30s he's all in um and then ricky used to play trumpet in henry's old band and then he didn't want to do 
keep flying with us for the beginning because he was burnt on it, and he's found his way back, and now he's playing trombone and keep flying. Um, and I'm I'm happy to be creating horns with him. It's it's really one of my favorite horn sections of all the horn sections I've done throughout my life. I'm really really happy to to be doing that with him. And then um, we haven't added an official new guitar player yet. Um, we nice. have our friend Dustin from With the Punches who just turned 40, who's been filling in, who really wants to do it, and we'll see how it goes. You know, if things keep going well with all these runs we have planned, he'll be in. And then we'll kind of replenish the band with people who, I think it happens very often. You're in a local band, your band breaks up. The other friends' local bands also break up. Now you form a new band with the members of those bands that still want to do it. And it just keeps going that way until... The only people left are people who still want to do it. Um, I think that's like super common. You see like a lot of bands lose a member and then they, they, they absorb some other guy from some other band that was trying for years but never made it, you know, and they're elevated. E- even as big as you want to talk about the same thing, Matt Skiba going over to Blink. You know what I mean? Right. Like Alkaline Trio is a successful band, but Blink is more successful and they just kind of absorbed them in, and that's a big bump up. That's a bump up for Skiba's career, and then also clearly Blink's able to be a band still. Yeah, and I think that like from from the outside uh, looking in, you know, it's the whole rock life gets kind of romanticized. You know, like man, wouldn't it be great to be a rock star and like just make music that you love and put it out? And you know, no matter how many uh, music biopics there are. Uh, people forget that it's a ton of hard work. It's a ton of time on the road, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's tough. You got to really be committed. You can't just be like, I like making music. You got to be like, I want this life. People don't know. I've, people have been saying that to me my whole life. Must be awesome. I'm like, listen, there's a lot of sacrifices and parts of my, parts of me straight up. I had a lot of, um, Certain, certain aspects of my life had no growth because I was, well, running away from problems by just going back on the road and, and kind of ignoring things and not, not letting myself learn and grow. Um, definitely a thing. Co- COVID helped put that in perspective. I have a lot of change during COVID, like a lot of people. I've realized a lot of things and had a lot of fast forward um, catch up. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really a big sacrifice. I mean, I just ran into my sister at the restaurant. She didn't know I was going to be there. Saw her at the last second. She had no idea that I was leaving again. I'm, I'm, out, I'm out for another four weeks starting right now. And she just didn't even know and was like bummed. But I, I thought I told her yesterday at Thanksgiving, I must have forgot um, or not realized. And so, yeah, uh, you know, it, it's you miss events. You miss the people growing up. I missed my sisters all growing up. Now I'm trying to make sure I don't miss my nieces and nephews growing up because I missed a lot of, a lot of that. And and I can't get that back. Um, Yeah. It's hard, you know, but if you love it, you love it. I I'm, I'm, I'm a born drifter. Once I found out, I fell in love with it and that's it for music or not. I, I love, I love traveling and I love moving around. So it's just, it's in my blood now, you know, it's just something I love. So, yeah, that's well, I'm glad that you're able to do it. And, and obviously I love the music that you guys are putting out and uh, I appreciate the sacrifice, you know, that you're that you're making. Uh, so 
so you kind of talked about uh, how you got into uh, keep flying and 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 how you guys kind of got together that all all that kind of stuff. One of the things that I you know wanted to bring back up that we were talking about earlier is all those all those uh, different musical tastes and I, a lot of bands I feel like are you know an, an amalgam of all their different interests. But when I listen to, for instance, your newest your newest album, there are man I feel like there are more distinct different styles of music being presented within your tracks than a lot of bands that I've I've listened to. You know, I'm hearing moments with like what feel like legitimate like screamo or metal kind of vocals. You got some great fast punk drumming and double bass that that feels like it's from the metal world. And yeah, wh where did you guys kind of, you know, wh what are some of those influences that you feel like play a big role in what you do? We straight up don't care. We're, this No offense to you. No, you're good. We decided as a band that we don't care what people are going to think when it comes to what kind of music we put out. And that is why the, the, this newest CP is a little more eclectic because we said, why don't, why haven't we done a song like this? We want to, why don't we? Oh, well, people might think it's weird. Okay. Let them think it's weird. We don't care. So that's kind of where that is. I mean, our drummers, like he's a mega deaf head. He loves metal and he loves rap. He wants to play that kind of stuff. You know, um, our singer loves, uh, Andrew McMahon, and and uh, he also loves Scott. He loves Real Big Fish, but Henry loves a lot of different indie rock. And um, Chuck is into everything. And Rick listens to straight up like fat wreck punk bands. And I listen to everything as well. Lately, I've been super into country. I I am I'm all in on an artist um, called Rustin Kelly. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm a big fan. Uh, and, and I would love to create music like that. I would love to lay sax on, on music like that. Um, I've been spending a lot of time in Nashville. And so I've been just growing in that world. Um, as far as influences go, it's the whole spectrum. You know, when we're in the van, that, that playlist changes from, from, to, from Biggie to uh, Lil Yachty to whatever's the newest pop radio, because I just like knowing what the big hits are, to other rap, to punk music, to ska music, to I'll listen to some some reggae stuff, because that's like the ska that I, I mean, it's not ska, it's reggae, but like that's the stuff I really actually enjoy the most. Um, yeah. uh, to metalcore, to, uh, you know, as you may or may not know, like heavy music is big in again right now, so there's like a lot of new bands that are really paving a new thing. Um, you know, following in the footsteps, our friends in this band called Knock Loose. Um, we love that band. And I think all the bands that are forming around their success, not because of them, but because they, they're making a huge impact. It's nice to see how many new small local bands are popping up that are getting signed and getting picked up and scooped up and putting out great, great music. You know, yeah. um, this band called CU Space Cowboy that's out right now that I reminds me of the Blood Brothers, not musically, but the whole aesthetic and just the era. And I used to love the Blood Brothers uh, when I was first starting touring. Um, so I, I don't know. I can tell you this. We have a new EP recorded that is called Revival. 
that is coming out next year that is recomposed versions of our current songs in genres that we've never done because wow. we just want to go and do it. You know, we just wanted to go out and, and do a rap song. We, we didn't, we don't care. We wanted to do a John, John Mayer, Jack Johnson-esque song. But instead of doing new songs, we said, why don't we just do songs people know already in those way, like in those versions, recompose them. Uh, and we're really excited. You know, that that's a spoiler. But uh, we're really excited about it. Uh, and then after that will be a proper release from us. And I could not tell you what the record's going to sound like. I don't know. We've talked about a lot of different ideas, some heavier stuff, some lighter stuff, some reggae stuff. We've talked about a bunch of stuff. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. I feel like we have no box because we don't have a label because we do it all ourselves. We can do whatever we want. And maybe half the songs people will like and other people will hate and vice versa with the other half. I don't know. That's, uh, that's really, that's really cool to hear. And I, I, I can relate a lot to the sort of diverse, you know, like having a playlist that goes all over the, all over the place because uh, you know, I, 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 I'm a teacher. Uh, so by the way, I love that you were mentioning earlier that your band, your band teacher hooking you up on Barry Sachs. Um, but like uh, I'm an English teacher and I tell my kids at the beginning of the year, I have music playing in the classroom a lot of times and I just listen to everything. I listen to, to rap country, you know, classical jazz, soul, blues, all, all that kind of stuff. And I don't know from day to day what's going to be playing in the room. It's whatever I feel like listening to when I come in. Yep. And, uh, and, and what I find is great about that is that, you know, there are definitely kids that are like, man, this, I can't believe this teacher listens to rap, you know, or I can't believe this teacher listens to punk rock. And I do tell them, you know, like punk right. rock, punk rock and ska is kind of my home base, but I listen to everything. And, uh, right. And, and, and I love that. I, I love like being in the car and, you know, maybe one minute having on uh, Taylor Swift and then the next minute having on like this band from Arlington called Embodiment that I used to love, you know, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and switching back and forth through all that kind of stuff. And I think it makes my, you know, I, I feel richer for having that, bro those broad tastes, you know, when I was in right. high school, I did not have those tastes. It was just, punk and, and hard rock and ska and and i really deeply hated country and rap um and and then when i started working for i worked for starbucks for like eight years and it just exposed me to you know old country and jazz and soul and blues and and classical and all that kind of stuff and it, it opened my mind a little bit to music right that's listen um two of my friends that used to play in ska bands with me when we were younger both are music teachers now and both get the fulfillment. They love that I'm out there on the road still doing this thing. And I love that they're they're influencing, you know, high school students by playing the same way you do. They'll put on certain things or they'll have like their trombone case out with stickers on it. And they'll be like, who is that? And they're looking the bands up and they're like, is my teacher cool? <laughs> I think yeah. that's a great thing. Um, I thought my my some of my teachers growing up were cool, but none of them were like into this. I think that if I had a teacher that was into, you know, alt music in any capacity, I would have been like, okay, you're this is this is my safe place. Um, I'm gonna come here all the time, you know. Yeah, I I think that the the thing for me that usually does it with the kids is they've uh, they when they see my uh, I have a tattoo of a cheeseburger. <laughs> Got it. They're like, why does he have a tattoo of a cheeseburger? And then they're in, they're hooked. So. They love it. They love it. They're a big fan. So, uh, 
let's talk about the new album a little bit because sure. and i say new i mean it's 2020 it's called survival um eight tracks right uh yeah. and man i really really enjoy this album um and there's some standouts i think late reply is a great song but tell me a little bit about y'all getting together i mean they're all great songs but late reply stands out to me uh, tell me a little bit about y'all getting together to to do this album kind of what was the thought process behind it and and was it called survival because it's in the middle of a pandemic or was there a little it more to not, it than that it was not um i'm going over the throg's neck bridge right now so please stop me if it breaks up because sometimes okay. it happens on the throg's neck here um the record had to be done. Uh, we thought we were going to finally do the debut full lane. We did not. Um, the record is a series of songs that Henry had been writing over the whole length of the band that never got used on any of the other EPs. Gotcha. Um, it is called Survival. The record is actually based on a role playing role reveal deduction game that is me and my band's favorite game of all time called ultimate werewolf um <laughs> nice it, it the opening track last and second last two tracks and the all are within that theme um that's why they're wolves on the back cover of the artwork there is a survivor looking down onto a village. It's also our, we are a little bit inspired by Lost slightly, the television program, which is also a big part of the band, um, as well as the TV show Firefly. That was a one season deal and then a movie called Serenity. Those are kind of the big things um, that we always touch back on. Um, lyrically, it stems from Henry. I think a little of the lyrics came from everybody else. We all relate. In different ways but it is different events like i said these were songs written at different times over the course of the last few years um that henry then kind of turned into a story the full arch uh the full arc is the beginning starts really in the hole and the end is i'm in the hole but i'm alive gotta look at the gotta look at the positives gotta push forward it is what it is gotta accept it and push forward um and so that's like the lyrical concept of the record which it does flow from beginning to end in that way um with touching on a few different emotions late replies like you mentioned specifically has to deal with the 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 energy that it takes to answer the damn phone sometimes and people i think people now are starting to get that mental health more than ever but you know people are like oh you never answered my text man you never hit me back yo it's it's looking at the text and seeing 64 texts, I don't want to open the phone. I don't want to answer because I'm like, whether I'm anxious if a text is coming in from somebody or I just don't want to deal with it. Like, I just want to, I don't want to deal with it. I think that like people have to accept that. I think it's more normalized now, but that's really what that song's about. It's like, yeah, there's no offense to you. I just can't eat right now. I'll call you as soon as I can. Um, so that's kind of in the middle. Um, of the record uh but yeah the, it's really just emotions the record's emotions and no it had nothing to do with the pandemic it just happened we had the record finished in february we were going to release it in may but the pandemic happened and we just kept pushing it back because we like a lot of people thought it was going to end 
We thought right. the pandemic was going to end and we were going to release the record as soon as it was over. And it just didn't end. And we made the decision, we don't want to wait. Let's just release it in December. When there wasn't a lot of releases happening. Um, we're coming up on a year and all the shows we've played since August when we started playing again, we have played that record pretty much in full every night because we love playing the songs. We think they're the best songs we've ever written. Um, I, I can't argue with you, man. Every, every track on that album is great. And uh, I definitely do see the storyline going through. Uh, I can't say that I'm familiar with that werewolf game that you were talking about, but, uh, but the story's, the story's cool. And, 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 you know, the downside of like a digital album, you know, I, I got your album on, on Apple Music is I don't get to see the back artwork with the werewolves. I just see the survivor on the front. Right. Right. I will send you the full art so you can see it. Um, it sounds great. Because it definitely, it was drawn as a full art. Like, it, you know, the art, the front cover bleeds onto the back cover. It was done in a horizontal, uh, double wide artwork. It's intended for the full scope. Um, yeah. But yeah, don't get the back cover. Final, or I think we might have posted it once like the full art, like a year ago. Um, but um, yeah, uh, well, you should check out Ultimate Werewolf. It is a great thing, especially as a teacher. It's a great um, um, businesses and companies and, and groups of people meeting for the first time. It's a really great icebreaker. And it's a really great um, uh, cooperation, um, teamwork uh, kind of skills. Uh, I, I, I used to watch kids at, uh, camps and it's a, they, it's awesome with kids, um, and, and adults alike. It is a, like any role reveal game, it, it, you get really into it and, and you're having a good time. Um, yeah, cool. but yeah, I, it changed for me over the course of the year, but surviving the night, which is the second to last song, but I refer to it as the last song since track eight is really just kind of like an outro um surviving the night lyrically the main lyric i'm waking up i think it's just the most important thing we've written and i think it's the most um helpful for we've had a lot of people reach out saying this song is helping me it really is just like you just accept where you're at and open your damn eyes and start walking forward you can't sit in the hole anymore how much longer can you sit in the damn hole you know you gotta do something about it and i, I think you know i know when i when henry was recording the, the vocals i was getting goosebumps and i still do when we play it live um you know it's funny so, that you mentioned that that song because there is definitely a, a lyric up at the beginning of that song that you know, you know, you'll be listening to an album kind of in the background while you're driving around or whatever, and then sometimes a lyric will just slap you in the face. And there was a, a lyric from that song specifically where it said, "So if my and it's this is the very beginning. So if my story is coming true, I'm the hero and the monster too." And I loved that line because I just thought that was a, a really powerful thing to consider. That we often tend to put ourselves we're either the hero or the villain, but you know, most of the time we're we're kind of both. Right, Henry. He's such a, such a beautiful writer, and he's an eloquent speaker. He uses big words. We have a thing in the van where once a day we ask Henry for the definition of a word that he said that none of us know. Um, 
is really nice, and we learn we learn from him. But he's a uh, you know he's super smart when it comes to, to all things English and and writing and, and poetry and things like this. But uh, yeah, I love that line too. I mean, I I tore my meniscus on stage two and a half weeks ago, and there's Jeez. a lyric in that song about my legs are tired from chasing dreams, and and Henry's been singing it, pointing at my leg in the big knee brace that I've been wearing on stage, and it's like. Well, that became literal. That feels real. <laughs> they are they are freaking tired. They, I'm blowing my knees out performing for these people. Um, but I love it. I want to change the thing. My legs are just getting old, you know? Yeah, I just do gotta know. Watch. <laughs> I definitely oh, I got to watch the high kicks. Right, you know. <laughs> so uh, I got to ask you, too, uh, because around Halloween, you guys put out this – you guys have killer merch. You put out this amazing Charlie Brown T-shirt, yeah. <laughs> which yep. uh, had some lyrics from one of your songs. I had to track down the song a little bit. The song Five Year Mess," and it's on a compilation. Uh, t- tell me a little bit about that song. Five Year Mess." Yeah. Well, hold on. Our guitar player. Oh, you still got me? Yeah, 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 yeah. So okay. it's on this under t- under two EP. I wanted to make sure I knew what the album yep. title was. Yep. Under two. We decided we had one song we recorded the same time we did Survival. It was a song that our guitar player who left the band, Charlie, had written. Um, and then we produced together and changed a little bit. But um, that song didn't fit on Survival. So we decided to do the split. We wanted to bring back the idea of split comps. Comps were cool growing up. That's how I found out about a lot of bands. I got comp CDs handed to me outside yeah. of show. Um, or, or in the mail, like with, uh, I ordered a CD and it came with a comp with 35 bands on it. And I'd be like, there's six bands on here that are sick. Yeah. Um, so northbound from Florida, just John's been our friend since we started the band. Treason is a hardcore band from Cincinnati and shakeout is a pedal based loop band from Yonkers. These are all just different styles. We want to bring the mixed bill and the comp back. So we asked everybody, it's called Under Two, because all four songs are under two minutes. I told them I need a song under two minutes. That's the that's the stipulation. And then we, we did the vinyl, and it sold out immediately. Um, the song kind of fell flat on the streaming, because none of us really got playlisting, but that's just the nature of the beast. Um, the lyrical content is uh, about a few different scenarios that have happened with members of the band. It's kind of a fuck you song, to be completely honest. I don't know if I can curse on here, but it is <laughs> it, it is a a, um, a lash out at a few people and a few scenarios who have caused uh, some of us grief uh, over the course of our lives. And it is kind of like a piss off, like, please, please piss off. Um, <laughs> Kindest regards, get lost. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah, it, it definitely is. I had a friend immediately hit me up when the song dropped. Is this shade? I was like, oh, it is. It is. You know, we don't want to dive into it deeper, but I mean, it comes out, right? Anger comes out in, in, in art. Sadness comes out in art. Emotions come out in art. And finally, you know, our, our guitar player wrote all the lyrics for this. He was like, hey, I want to write this. And we were like, dude, this is angry and we like it. This is cool. It's <laughs> and I'm it's proud catch- of him. Sorry, go ahead. What'd you say? Yeah, 
I'm proud of him and I'm proud of us. And yeah, I think you were about to say it's a catchy song. It's a quick under two minute. It's like a minute 40. It's got a good hook and it's, and it's over. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's great. I'm trying to remember real quick here. Uh, what the line was too, that was on your shirt. Uh, I'm so sick of feeling scared. I think is the one that was on that. Yes. That's the one. It's from the song, right? Am, am I wrong about that? That is in a song called Fire Sale, actually. Uh, the Man. second track from Survival. Okay. So I think what happened here, I'm, I'm conflating two great things. So the shirt was awesome. The album's awesome. I think I saw this video. Did you do a video for Five Year Mess? We did. We did. I think I saw this video the same day I saw the shirt. And for some reason, those two things were stuck together in my mind. But yeah. yeah. So yes, enjoyed the video, enjoyed the song, enjoyed your, char your, your Charlie Brown shirt, which goes with a completely different song, but also a great song. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Good, good stuff. Uh, we, have a we have a shirt that goes with Five Year Mess, but it, it was shipped back to the merch company. We never got it. We were supposed to have it for when the record came out. We now have it, and it... We're going to have it with us on this tour starting Sunday. Um, it's like the artwork from the record, um, but right done on. slightly differently, um, which I'm excited about. I wish that we had had it when we had it, but you know what? We got a discount from the merch company for the shipping goof, and it is what it is. Um, it's yeah. still cool. We got a couple cool more, more cool shirts before this year is over that are very specific shirts that we have dropping we're very pumped about um right on yeah we, we have fun doing that we always make it short runs out of 36 and then they're gone like it's like a, i don't know i think it's cool to be oh i'm one of 36 people who have this that's cool you know when you, yeah so i haven't noticed this yet because i haven't tried to buy a shirt yet uh but i but i i love your shirt so much i'm sure at some point i'll be trying to do you, do you do all sizes because i'm a big dude and so yeah. usually you don't find my size. Yeah, well, for our band, we print up to 5X since the band started. Nice. We are we are a big person inclusive. Henry is a 4 or 5X. He has lost some weight, but at his biggest in KF, he was close to 400 pounds. And our, and our lead singer and a proud, you know, he is working on losing weight and he has been. I'm proud of him. You know, he wants to get healthy for him, and I'm really happy that he's doing that. He goes to Planet Fitness. We love to drop him off uh, before before load-ins for shows. He's very driven, and I'm, I'm proud of him. But we have always been inclusive when it comes to merch because I know that that is a thing that I watched a lot of my larger friends deal with growing up where the bands never printed anything bigger than 2X. And... Yeah. Uh, some bands do and some bands don't. You go see Clutch, they print up to 10X. But, you know, wow. you go and see Boston Manor and they don't got any, sometimes they don't even have 2X. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a 3X and a lot of times you go up to that merch, you're like, man, what a great show. I'm going to go get, you know, a tour shirt or I'm going to get a shirt from my favorite band. And you get up there and they're like, we go to 2X. You know, sometimes we just yeah. go to X. And you're like, oh, man, that's that yeah. sucks. We so, know. For us, it's like, they cost it costs a little bit more money, three X and bigger, because it's more cloth, more cotton. Yeah. But um, we actually our biggest size that we sell 
is XL through 3X. That's what we sell the most of. Like we oh, wow. print just as much 2X as we do XL, and we print a significant amount of 3X because that's always the first thing we run out of every time without fail. Small and medium sits at the bottom of the bin for so long. We just don't sell that size shirt. Yeah. Um, we don't have a lot of small fans, I guess. You know, not not as many younger fans. We have a lot of people, twenty six through forty, um, who are larger people. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, we print it, and I know all the bands that do too, especially these days. I see more inclusivity with everything, including size of t-shirts, especially a three X. Three X is like the easiest one to get. Like every blank comes up to three. After three, it gets difficult when you're placing orders. Like four and five, you got to usually go with, you know, some blanks. They don't have that size. Um, yeah. But three, always. Three, always. Order three X. Come on. I Get agree. I agree. But I, I, I agree with you, too. I do think that people are getting better at making those so. available, especially if you're ordering them offline. Uh, you know, going two tours or going two shows, that's you, you, still a little hard, but but you're right. It is getting it is getting better. And I and I I mean maybe I didn't realize how tough it was when I was younger because I wasn't this size when I was younger, you know. But but yeah, I I, I can appreciate the big man size, especially with your cool shirts. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, you know maybe I'll get on another another uh, Texas shirt when you put one out, or maybe one for one of your new uh, new tracks. Well, let me ask you, what sport are you a sports fan? Uh, some. You got a team. Well, if you live in Texas and you don't like the Cowboys, I think they shoot you. Uh, but I, so I grew up a Cowboys fan. I'm a, I'm also a hockey fan. Um, so I like the Stars. I like the St. Louis Blues because my family's from St. Louis. Okay. Like I like the Rangers. Uh, okay. And and then I also like the Cardinals. Um, my wife's from Boston, so I'm supposed to like the Red Sox, um, and and those teams. Uh, yeah. I, I grew up, my dad's from Boston too. So I grew up like in the Red Sox. Right. But. We just did a Red Sox rip. Um, nice. We have a Celtics rip that we're launching. We're playing a sold out show in Boston with a band called Lost for Words. It's their reunion show. We, we printed a Celtics shirt because why not? Um, right. And we got, a, we got a few more that we're dropping. Nothing Texas sport yet. Nothing yet. But, but we, we will because we know that it will do well and sell to those people and then be gone. But we will do it. We, man, I love printing the sports rips. I really do. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm more recently in this, uh, into live sports now than I ever was growing up. And I, I get it now. I didn't get it then. Uh, and I get it now. And, and man, we, I love printing the shirts because people love buying them. People, people love sports, bottom line. My whole life as a punk kid, it was told, oh, you like punk. You don't like sports. Why can't I like both? I don't right. I wish that I had told by someone, you can like both instead of being told, no, no, no. The same with like club music. Like, I was told, oh, you you like alt, alt music. You, you're not that. In my 30s, I went to a club for the first time in my life, like a real club in Miami, and I had a great time. I was like, this was something that I was told you won't like. This isn't for you. Um, so like I said, man, change, a lot of change happening, a lot of like realizing and, uh, trying th new things out. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny Texas for sports. Being... Yeah. So my, my son, 
two two things. One, my my son's a. I have an eight and a half year old, and I have a, a, a eight and a half year old son, and I have a six year old daughter. My eight and a half year old son is starting to get into basketball, which has always been a sport. It's like the I was the sport I was the worst at playing, knew the least about, um, and so. But now I'm starting to kind of enjoy, you know, learning about it with him and and getting into it with him. And so I may have to take him to a Mavs game one time. I, I have been proud of the Mavs over the years, but they're the team I've kind of known the least, even when we've been doing well. Right. And I also want to say, you know, in regards to what you said about, uh, you know, people telling you what you will or won't like, I've always found it kind of funny being into punk rock and 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 punk rock being all about like this sort of like do whatever, do whatever you want kind of thing. But at the same time, there being like all these rules. Oh, that's not punk, man. You can't you can't do that. That's not punk. You can't dress like that. You can't talk like that. You can't be like that. That's not punk. And I was always like, since when did punk have so many rules about being punk? You know, it. it, it well, we we can get into a whole tangent about that. Um, <laughs> uh, I I have my own feelings on where that has gone um, over the years. Uh, the short version, I do feel that with not everyone, but with some pockets of this alternative music world. There has become such um, holier-than-thou attitude with, in, in, you know, in regards to inclusivity and who's welcome and who's not. It, it almost feels everyone's got, like, here are my ten points, and if you don't agree with all ten of these points, then you're lesser than me, and I don't want you in my circle. And it becomes really unwelcoming and almost an exclusive club and it starts to feel like exactly how I felt as a nerdy kid who played Dungeons and Dragons in high school and wasn't a really welcome to sit at the cool person's table. Yeah. And, and I, I hate that I've been watching that happen over the last five, six years. I, I, Cause it has, um, not everybody, but there's definitely pockets of like, yeah, we want to welcome everyone, but also if you don't agree with all 10 of these things, you're not welcome. So, okay. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just not, it's not the energy that I like, especially as someone who has always been very welcoming to um, thousands of people that I've encountered over my lifetime um, with playing in bands and working for bands and having my, my house, my mother, my poor mother has had, the door open, an open door policy since I was a child. There's been hundreds and hundreds of people who have slept at our home. Um, yeah. I, I love that inclusive heart. And I, and I don't know if you're, if I, you cut out there, but I love that inclusive heart. And that's a big part of, of who uh, I am and, and wanting to, uh, I want to be around people that think differently than me. And I love being around people that think the same as me too, but I want to be around people that think differently than me about everything and, and about music. You know, when I discovered the music of Ray Charles, like it was this beautiful new color in the rainbow for me, you know, and I, the way to find that right. stuff is to right. be around people that like that, you know, and I would not have done that as yeah. a, you know, night, late nineties punk kid. I wasn't interested in, in all that. And, and right. I, I missed out. You right. know? So this this is where I, I feel I, about I, country. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, how you feel about country? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's kind of how I feel about country. I was pretty much just didn't have any accessibility to it. And no one, everyone said that, that crap. And I'm, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time in Nashville these days. And I'm like, there are so many insanely talented artists that are better than anything I like. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. They're so good. I'm watching these guys play horns for these projects that are just next level amazing. I'm like, I want to do that. Look, this guy's ripping on the Barry sax. I want to do that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, things are changing. Hopefully they keep changing. Yeah. See? So this is where I love to ask uh, if you had the opportunity here, you know, kind of wrap up talking about music. But I want to ask you if you had the opportunity to uh, really, really shout out a ska band, either, you know, they can they can be no longer or they can be, you know, fresh and new. But a ska band that you just don't think gets enough love. Um, who would you who do you want to throw out there? Um, I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you an old band that's not defunct, but they very rarely play. And that is St. Louis-based MU330, who were my favorite ska band growing up, who I felt should have made it as big as Less Than Jake did. Um, I, I just love the band. I love the horn section. Jerry and Rob, that incarnation of the two trombones, my favorite thing. And Dan Potess is one of the best people I've ever met in my life who I've had the very good pleasure of spending a lot of time with. I, that is the old band that I wish had been, you know, pushed all the way to the top and yeah. newer bands or more on the smaller side, same thing, same idea, a band from Nashville called stuck lucky that have been a thrash punk ska band doing that kind of thing that no one else really doing. Maybe Voodoo Glow Skulls, kind of, a little. Um, and they've been doing it for so long, and they still do it, and they still play the festivals. And they're our age, um, you know. But they were, they were doing it on a small scale for so long, and all the other bands broke up. All the bands that used to tour with them, my old bands, everybody broke up, and they're still there. And I always wished that they would just get the break and just get on the the streetlight tour or the real big fish tour or you know the aquabats tour and i always wanted them because again those are real people who i spent a lot of time with who i thought the music was was and is incredible and they just never got those big opportunities but they kept kept lugging around doing all the diy stuff and and having fun and it kept me wanting to do it and I recently was talking to Will, the trombone player, about that. Like, them still being a band makes me still want to make music. So yeah, that is awesome. that is the more my age band that I, I would like to give the shout to. I dig it. The very first uh, person that I had on this podcast was Leonore from Five Iron Frenzy. And, uh, and the band she shouted out to, I believe, was uh, MU330. She definitely talked about them. I think that's the band she shouted out. Oh, yeah. Um, and we, we were talking. Yeah, the best. So, and uh, and Stuck Lucky is is great too, man. I I hope that both those bands get get more love. I need to get myself some some more vinyl, you know, uh, from those bands. I've I've got Crab Rangoon. That's the only MU three thirty I've got right now. You know what? It's like impossible to find the MU three thirty records on vinyl. It is yeah, so hard. Like 
Mike Park randomly will have like, oh, I found three copies of, of uh, Ultra Panic. You're like, oh, they sold out. Um, Stuck Lucky, I think they have their records on community records. Um, I believe that they have most of them up there. But MU, I, I never find. Uh, I still don't have Chumps on Parade, I don't think I have on vinyl. Um, and they've also been working on a record for years that never came out so i i pray that one day that record comes out i'm looking forward to some new old mu330 record i need that to happen i oh, need yeah, it that'd be, that'd be my my crab rangoon by the way was was the last copy that uh that uh, uh they found over there at asian man records there uh, you go there one, you go one day. yeah it was kind go. of a i i literally like i think i was in a, a like a there was like an Instagram something or other or whatever. And I asked him, Hey, how many more copies do you have of that MU three thirty album in your store? And he said one. And so I immediately ordered it. Yep. There you go. <laughs> yeah. He, he usually, I know it's legit. He'll just find a box in a closet with eight copies. Oops. Yeah. I don't know. It must've took this to some festival and never sold them. Um, here they are, put them up. But I, I think that's fun. It's like hide and seek. You're trying to find, these rare pieces. I don't know. I, I find joy in finding a rare piece like that. So. Absolutely. And, and, you know, got to shout out Mike Park, who's got crazy work ethic and is, you know, one of the, the legends of the scene that's, that's made ska what it is in the U S I think my favorite label still to this day, I respect him and uh, everything he does still. So. All right. So the, the next thing I always like to ask since I, and, and this, you know, just, kind of a couple more convers- you know, questions around this uh, being the Rudy librarian is uh, are, are you a reader? Do you like to read? I can't read. Not like I don't know how, but I get a headache and I'll fall asleep after two pages. It's been right a on. problem my whole life. Now that being said, I can read Dungeons and Dragons books and I've read hundreds of them. Um, yeah. Like, uh, the the supplementary material for the actual game where I'm reading spells and, and how, what dice you use and races and classes. And I have hundreds of D&D books that I've read from edition one all the way through five. Uh, and that is what I enjoy reading. I don't, I, for some reason, it doesn't put me to sleep. And I retain the info as if I'm reading biology books which probably would be better for me because I'm just retaining nonsense to some, to me, it's fun, but it is not real. So, you know, how much I know about a beholder does not matter in the real world, but uh, that's what I read and I enjoy it. And that's my, that's my cup of tea. Well, I'll say, first of all, uh, I have never played Dungeons and Dragons, but it seems like something that's totally up my alley. And so I've told, I've got some friends that are trying to get me to play that I work with, actually, uh, that I'm like, you know, I might be down for that. You know, it's a schedule issue right now, but uh, I need I need to get in there and give it a shot because it's it seems like something I'd really enjoy. I think you should. And I will and also no, say no, they are not really making the books anymore. It's pretty much switched all to online. And I, yeah. I have I'm noticing like this is becoming hard to find collector's pieces now. People want to collect these books. And that's fun for me because I've been like starting to talk to a few friends about selling some off. And it's like fun for me to think about people gaining 
um, enjoyment from something that I used to enjoy for, you know, you know decades of my life. Sure. So. Something that's been a big part of it. Yeah. And I also, I always try to point out, cause I've had, you know, other people on that have said, you know, they're not big readers and, and I'm an English teacher. I just got my master's to be a school librarian, uh, like, uh, about a year ago. And, and that's, you know, a goal for me. I love reading. It's been something that's very important for me, but one is I try to tell people, you know, all reading is reading. So it doesn't matter if it's a Dungeons and Dragon manual or even just reading Dungeons and Dragon articles and information online, or it's an audio book or it's a comic book or it's, you know, war and peace, all of that's reading. And I, and I think it's all great. And I think that like a lot of teachers make people feel bad if they don't sit and read stuff like, you know, oh, you're not reading Anna Karenina in your in your spare time. I'm sorry, you're you know a moron. Um, whether they do that intentionally or not, I think that that's something that comes across to kids. And so I really want them to know, man, read read what you like. You know, it, if you just want to read about your favorite soccer player online, that's still reading. It counts. Right. I agree. And the other thing I'll say too is that. Uh, a big part of like people liking to read is reading what they like, you know, cause like you said, these dungeons dragon manuals, they don't put you to sleep, but lots of other stuff does. And, and I can remember being assigned things and being like, this is the most horrifically boring book I've ever read in my entire life. I hate it with everything inside of me, but yet I could sit and read, you know, hundreds of pages of, you know, a novel I was into that night because it's something I right. cared about. Right. I, yeah. I think that might've been my problem. If I was reading things I didn't care about, I'd pass out. I would just pass out and I would have to reread it all again the next day. Like, yeah. I, I don't think I just read. I have to reread it all. English wasn't my strong suit. I got through it, but I was a math and science nerd. Um, I have a sister who's a science teacher that teaches in the same school as me. And we, we joke a lot that we have opposite brains. So, uh, you know, my, and I think it happens, you know, some, two of my sisters also were more on the English and social studies and less on the science math, you know, this is the perfect opportunity to, uh, thank you and, uh, really appreciate your time. Uh, everyone, if you can make it out to a keep flying show, if you can order some of those t-shirts, you know, uh, order some of their albums, uh, on Bandcamp or other places. Uh, you should definitely do that. And thank you so much for your time, man. Thanks for having me on. This was a blast. That's it for this week's podcast, but I hope you'll come back and check out the next podcast as I continue to interview the guests, both uh, ska guests and literary guests that have inspired me and gotten me more and more into the scene. Until then, thanks for hanging out here with the Rudy Librarian.